Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Good day. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying something different today with my workstation setup. Can you tell? Um, it looks a slightly different angle. Is that what you've done? Yeah, I'm actually standing at my standing desk for this. Oh, call. what a concept! Wow, and I'm sitting. <laughs> Thought I'd see maybe you know early in the morning. It gives me. I'm like more alert or something. If I try standing, I'll give it a go. How are you? Yeah, I did. yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, definitely find that uh, I've been sitting a lot this week, and my back is killing me. So I'm. We've just bought another standing desk downstairs, so we'll have two standing desks in the house, and that'll make a big difference, I think. Is that what stops you from standing, just wanting to work from different places in the house? Um, well, my wife started her job, so she's been using the study and being on calls, and I've been watching my daughter. So I've been taking over the dining room table, basically, um, in the kitchen. And uh, that's the there's only, only option is to sit. Um, so that's, that's why. And uh, we've decided to put another, another standing desk in the playroom. And then at least you can play in the playroom and you can sit and work or stand and work in there, either one of us. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the plan. The desk arrived yesterday and now I need to build it. <laughs> that's a super fun part. Yeah. Um, so that's the news. And then my, my son woke up at 2.30 this morning, so I've been on the go since, since then. I've just had a, a quick power nap. So I'm ready to go today. Oof. Sounds, sounds exhausting. That power <laughs> nap sounds nice. <laughs> um, well, did you... So I think we wanted to talk about voice in the workplace today. Voice yeah, assistance so, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, was think, so I was listening to something the other day and it made me think, like, you know, our house here has got... Alexa's in every room and we use it for very basic things like you know what's the weather tomorrow um you know play some music and uh, and I was laughing my wife was trying to play a song on Sunday so Alexa played it the first time and then thereafter it got confused and kept thinking she wanted to play a game and every time she said the song, it would say, I don't have that, I don't have that game, but how about this game? And it's like, no, stupid thing. Um, but, but it was kind of, you know, these things are prodigious. And, and your voice is another, another mechanism to, um, to do stuff with. And if you think about um, a lot of, uh, I read a book the other day where the, where the book must have been transcribed as opposed to written because they used the wrong words in the wrong, like the word sounded like something, but it wasn't the right word. 
and obviously the editors didn't pick it up. So, you know, with the technologies getting there that you can, you can just you almost transcribe things directly to, to a written document. Um, and then voice biometrics in the sense of you know, your banking, your, your banking apps recognizing you or, or security authentication, those sorts of things um, are definitely becoming more and more common. Um, probably because the costs of them are going down. Um, and because we've all been sitting on Zoom calls and team calls for the last two years, recording them and transcribing them, all the libraries of data, pattern recognition, are are there. Um, you know, if you look at the Microsoft or Zoom, they could do a lot for you as a service. Um, so, I think, yeah, that's, that's stuff I wanted to chat about generally. Yeah, I think the... Authentication via voice is super interesting. It's kind of, um, you know, as an alternative to like facial recognition, there's the, um, it seems like it would be in a way more secure because you can't just um, like flip a device around or like, you know, unlock it with someone else's, if someone took your phone from you and unlocked it um, with your face. Uh, it'd be harder to do that with your voice. But at the same time, if you, I'm thinking about like, we, you wouldn't want to say your password out loud to open a device in, in a public space. But I think the use case of like, you know, you're on a, a call with a, a service rep at your bank and they can just, you know, use your, use that voice recognition to know that it's you that they're actually talking to. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, spot on. And in fact, the thing that I was listening to, um, the technology that they have actually can tell if the voice is synthetic or not. So they will be able. To, so if you have someone that's trying to, um, uh, and, and I'll go through the example that the guy used, um, trying to fake your voice using recording, you know, so that the movie scenario where they take like Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice and they voice print it to get through the security thing. Um, the technology can pick up on that. So, so you can't actually fake the voice as easy as you think. And actually, what with this, the guy that was telling the story, he was on this, this podcast I was listening to, he was telling the story about how a five-year-old managed to hack the Xbox Live um, child controls to get into the games. And what, he, what the kid had figured out was, you know, his, his dad had put a password on everything, which obviously he couldn't get the password. But what it what there's obviously some sort of admin or engineering um, override. You hit the space bar a whole lot of times in a row. It bypasses all the security, and um, <laughs> you know he managed to get through. And and his dad only realised that the kid was doing this because he was coming to his games. Obviously, the kid was allowed to play his own games, and he's coming to his games and noticing that his progress was different, like. He obviously was playing some sort of game, like you know World of Warcraft, something like that, where he was noticing that he'd lost points or whatever, and he couldn't figure it out. And then his somehow he's, you know came up with his son. His son went, "Well, actually, you know, Dad, I've been playing your games, and I really like them, but this is how I got through." And this was a, I mean, Microsoft paid out on this one, and they've actually put the kid's name down as a as a um, uh, what do you call them? Not a hacker, um, somebody finds a, a vulnerability. A specific name for him. anyway, he's on the website. Um, and so this guy was saying, you know, if you if you look at password protection in the house, 
on on appliances, then your kids can't break through because it's voice biometric, and we can we can already detect the fake ones. Same for for banking, which we talked about. But you think about also like all these IVR systems. Um, you know, you phone into to like we we do some of the medical stuff now at the moment. So you phone a call center, and you sit on that call center line for 20 minutes and then they ask you to put in your birth date they ask you to put in your membership number they ask you to put in your whatever phone number um you know some some arbitrary information and then you still get through to a call center person and they go oh yes okay now we need to security check you can you please fill in all the same information again uh oh and we're going to send you a, a pin code to your phone all of that stuff can be avoided because you've already got the voice and uh, you know i've, I've sat on I'm trying to think, I think it was, I think it's Discovery in South Africa. You actually can, you can go through the normal channel where you go through all those security checks or you can register your voice, which is like a side channel. But they say, if you register your voice, your your chance of getting responded to is increased because we'll put you to the front of the queue. Basically, that's what they're saying. And it's like, well, that's a great way to incentivize me because you know what, I'm going to sit on this call for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes sometimes. And you can tell me that if I just, just do the voice biometric thing, which takes me maybe five minutes to set up, then I'm at the front of the queue, I'll do that. Now you've got your whole membership base, you know, voice profiled. Um, and there's a lot that you can detect out the voice. You can detect stress, you can detect anger, um, you know, all those sorts of things. So, so I think it's a very interesting space. Definitely. Yeah, so that's a great trick for driving adoption. Is <laughs> you don't have to wait in line as long. Um, I wonder, you know, what would be really useful is to, is kind of the inverse is if someone's giving you a call and they're not who they say they are, you know, spam calls, all of that, that you could use voice recognition as part of that. Um, but that's obviously more, more complicated to figure out. I know Google has the, um, you know, they can just tell how the number is coming in or whatnot that, you know, it's potentially a spam call and Apple does that too, to an extent, but I think Google has a bit more of a feature around it. But if voice could be part of that, that would be really useful. Yeah. My brother gave me an app called, um, or you recommend one called uh, TrueCaller and you install TrueCaller and you turn that on. And then every, every number that calls through it will tell you if it's a spam call or not. Now that's fine um, in some respects, but sometimes it gets conf- it, it can get confusing. Like, for example, Vitality phones me. Now, they use the same numbers for their outbound salespeople as for their customer service people. So now you can you get it's, – it, you know, it, it's a legitimate call, but it's marked as spam. Um, now, going back to what you were saying about, you know, could you, could you tell from the caller if they're fake or not? I think that would be very useful for some of these spam things um and these phishing sort of things where and, and i listened to a couple of podcasts on scams where people get taken for a ride by these people these con artists and it's not so much i don't think it's an invasion of privacy per se but if you took every convict who was convicted of something and did a voice biometric of them and the phone companies were to monitor those people as part of their leaving jail um to stop them doing it again, that might be, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the practicality of this obviously have the, has its issues, but that might be interesting. Um, instead of you know all of us having to deal with with um, 
extra training, extra teaching, because a lot of people just don't don't take on board um, when they've been scammed until it's too late. If you listen to some of these these stories, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't really know where most scam stuff like who is really doing that. It's always kind of a question. Like who sends? You know, you have to be pretty desperate. One would think, but who? We spend their time doing that, but um, yeah, you'd be amazed. Eh? Yeah. During, yeah. during during COVID, um, you know, obviously we were in South Africa, and and I used to get these phone calls. So did Kirsten, probably every every couple of weeks, maybe five weeks, six weeks, we get a phone call from a, from a cell phone number, and it would it would be a recorded message saying that you have uh, fraudulently um, not paid your national insurance number or blah 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 blah. blah and please hold, and then they transfer it to a person. And at first, I'd be like, oh, you don't have to meet, whatever, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this stuff. But after a while, I started talking to the guys. Like, so so how many people fall for this? I mean, seriously, how stupid can they be? You laugh me because you'd be amazed how many people fall for this stuff. I said, are you going to stop? He said, no, I make money out of this. Why would I stop? And all he does is he takes that cell phone number, it, it's a burner, it, it breaks the SIM card, and gets another one. And and they call through um, soft phones, so it's not even a real like you know to track the thing. In fact, if you if you're looking for a good series of books to read, um, the guy name is Greg Hurwitz, and he's written um, it's about seven or eight books now, the the Orphan Orphan X series, and it's all about this um, assassin that was trained from being a kid, and he basically broke out of being an, an assassin. So the orphan X was you know, the different, different letters and uh, he only does good things for people. So it's like a pay it forward kind of thing. He never, you know, he's got all this sludge funds that he's, that he stole or reappropriated. And um, he, some of the technology that he uses that's available today to um, not be tracked and to be available at all times and all that kind of stuff is very interesting. Uh, and it's a good series mm. too. The books are actually quite good. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, thinking about maybe from uh, switching from the more of a voice biometrics to uh, virtual assistants, I was just mm-hmm. brushing up on this yesterday to see kind of what what enterprise solutions are there today. So I watched a webinar on Alexa for Business. It was like the first thing that came up on YouTube. It had um, under 300 views. And it uh, was published three years ago. So I think that tells you something about like the level of demand and interest currently for this type of solution, um, at least from like, you know, a general search perspective. Um, but it's still really interesting. I think, um, you know, a few things that stuck out are a use case where, and I think this would be really useful now as we talk about redesigning the workplace for collaboration and obviously more hybrid team needing to use meeting rooms between um, people who are working remotely and people who are on site is to use it for a meeting room setup. So walking into the meeting room and, you know, telling the voice assistant to set your meeting room up or start your meeting, um, which apparently Amazon HQ does this. And imagine just being able to go in and not have to fuddle around with the, the conference call and all of that. I think that would be um, a great enhancement that 
to those, you know, meeting room experiences that can often take, you know, five, 10 minutes if you're running into some sort of issue. Oh, geez, I think that, uh, yeah, hooray, you can solve that problem for everyone. I mean, the, the, um, I remember we did that. We, I think it was at UBS. We actually looked at this. Could you use Alexa in the office? And the reality is, in an open plan office, you can't because everyone's sitting next to everyone, and it's already noisy with everyone on the phone. And now you want people to talk to their Alexas. Um, you know, how would they fire off and all that kind of stuff? It just doesn't work. Um, what I've been using recently, um, and not all the time, but it's useful sometimes, is CarPlay with Siri. So if I'm driving somewhere. Uh, this, they put in some very strict laws here now um, using your mobile phone in the car and you can actually lose your license. Um, so, you know, I now, I now plug it in and I put it in the deepest, darkest hole in my dashboard so I can't get to my phone. Um, but with CarPlay, if someone SMSs me, I can reply um, using voice. And it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Um, and often you're not, you're not writing a lot of words. You know, you're saying, yes, that's cool, I'll see now, or... Uh, I'll, I'll phone you when I get there, that kind of thing. Um, and Siri works pretty well for that. And you can send the message and you haven't broken any laws by doing that. So I think that's quite a useful thing. Um, the other thing that I do use voice for is if I'm, my hands are full and I need to record a reminder for something or, you know, so you're creating a task um, or you just want to set a timer you know, that, that's a quick thing to do. And that, that just saves you. I mean, it's so stupid, but it saves you like four or five seconds getting your phone out and opening it up and typing it in. Um, and it's not perfect again either, but it's better than not capturing it. Uh, and I think that's where uh, I'm very interested. In. And I think going back to your meeting example, if you miss a meeting and having the transcription that comes out, and there are a few products that are doing this now, where they're not only pulling out the meeting minutes of who was in the meeting and what they said, the actual transcriptions, but they're actually putting out the actions as well. Um, and I think that's hugely useful because often, I mean, I've sat in, you know, meetings where we talked for an hour, there's a lot of things being talked about to get done. And then everyone at the end goes, okay, cool, we'll see you next week. And no one's taken any notes of who's doing what. And and only the, the really organized person has actually done their stuff by the next meeting. And everyone else is kind of going, oh yeah, we talked about that, but we didn't do it. And it's kind of lost in the ether. Um, and then someone will moan about it in six months saying, we talked about it, but no one ever did anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's the danger with a lot of meetings. Um, but no, I think those sound like really useful, you know, use cases where, you know, you need to be hands-free. That's a great one for voice assistance. I think they're really good for accessibility as well. You know, I think about the people in my life who, so I guess for me, my voice assistants are like glorified alarm clocks and timers. Like I don't, and light switches. Um, I connect them to smart bulbs. So I often say that I wish I had a dumb smart speaker in the home. So like, I didn't feel like it was, you know, uh, as creepy or always listening, but it could just do like a handful of things. It's almost like what I really want is like more of a, a clap on <laughs> than a, than a smart speaker, but, um, you know, my grandfather, who has uh, poor eyesight, uses uh, his voice to text, um, and that's really important for him. Uh, my dad just prefers it, uh, so he talks through his Apple Watch, and that sends his text that way, so um, definitely useful for a lot of different people in these cases. Um, 
But in terms of bringing it into the workplace, one thing I thought was interesting, I just looked at what does Gartner have on this, um, which, by the way, Gartner is sort of getting into this realm a little bit as well. I was um, on their app yesterday, and you can now play their research as if it's a podcast, but it's like automated recording, so it's super robotic, um, but you can still like speed it up, slow it down, um, take notes while you're doing it. So in a way, it's nice, but the voice is so robotic. It's kind of a bad experience. But um, anyway, they were predicting that by 2023, 25% of employee interactions with apps will happen via voice, up from 5% today. And that research was published in 2021. So um, that seems like a pretty aggressive timeline for me. But in terms of um, you know building voice into apps, uh, interesting, right? <laughs> well, look, I mean, natural language processing is, is, a, is a burgeoning field. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of libraries out there. You've got GDP3. You've got um, another one I can't think of that's as good. So those at a text level are, are becoming stronger and stronger. Um, the, the key thing has always been getting the voice that's spoken into into text, but not just getting into text, but getting the context right. So, you know, and I'll use a um, one of these cases we talked about previously when we were trying this was, I'm a user at my desk working on a computer and I need to log a ticket. So the context, that's the context. So when I log the ticket saying, and, and, and you know, depending on the type of user, they might give you a lot of information, a little bit of information. The text they actually give you is, is almost not important to what you already know about the environment. So if you know who the user is, you know what device they're on, you know what applications are running at the time, you know what they are doing at that time, and they say, oh, I have an issue with connectivity to XYZ application. That that information is more important than the actual um, verbiage usually. So your actual, your actual needs of understanding what they're saying isn't that important usually. Um, but... In the same token, if they're giving you a, if they're on the road somewhere and you've only got so much data, then what they're saying is very important. So now you've got a user sitting in a hotel room who's connected to the hotel Wi-Fi, um, can't get their VPN on. Um, so now they're connected to a public connection and they are looking for assistance. You need to know a lot more information that you got, what hotel they're in, um, all that sort of stuff. Now, you could find that information elsewhere. You can enrich it from the travel booking system for the, that the corporate uses, if it's a corporate, um, you could use IP addresses to a point if, to, if they're using a public IP address that's been registered to, to an address. There's all those sorts of things. But in the end, that's where the text becomes really important. And I think there's, a, there's an important piece of this that humans like to talk to humans. They don't like to talk to robots. Mm-hmm. So as much as, and we, we, we've looked at many products over the years, um, you know, sort of, I don't want to say cognitive AIs, but but supposedly um, very intelligent machine learning um, engines with pretty faces on the front. Um, and I can't think of the name of the product we looked at. But in the end, those things still struggle with thinking like a human because they don't think like a human. I mean, machine learning is not, it's not thinking. It's using mathematical formulas to, to um rationalized data looking for predictions of what you're going to do next so you know linear regressions and those sorts of things um nlp is trying to understand what you're saying 
and build up a frame of reference to match that with machine learning to still to try and predict what you're going to do. So these are these are not human um, human smart tools, uh, machine smart tools, and that's the problem. You know, if you if you if you and I speak, we're, you know, we're from Western culture, so we speak a certain way. We can we can converse. If you were to bring an Eastern or a, or an African or 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 Arabic or whatever, where the where the first language is in English, um, and the cultures cultures are, di- are diverse, the way they speak, the way things are said, will be different. Um, and I mean, you know, as 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 Westerners, we still speak different. So that's where this thing gets very interesting. Um, I think it'll be solved. I don't think that's I don't think that's the problem. I think that the, the problem is just. Um, how long does it take to solve it? Um, and, and I, you know, I expect it solved in my lifetime. Mm. But a, a nice broad estimate on it. Yeah, and I think I think the user base too. All these kids now growing up with Alexas in the home will be much more comfortable using voice. We'll seek that out as you know a feature. Um, I think about. You know, Lakeside is kind of ahead of its time here, right? Building NLP into the product with Ask SysTrack, um, which allows you to, uh, you can, you, and that part of it is you can, um, you can type your query, but you can also use voice to ask your question. Like, you know, what, um, you know, what's the average CPU like across all of my systems or something like that? And the system would bring you to the right place in the product to find that. Well, that's and that's that context. So, so when that's being used, the context is known, and mm-hmm. and then it's then it's pretty easy. And I'm not and I'm not, and I'm not um, uh, downplaying the, the the technical complexity of building something like this, but it's it's when you when you control the area that you're in, the context. The other things are easy because you're just doing you're just doing matching and scorings and and rules. I mean, in the end, you know, you know, if the word is it says CPU, then it's probably going to be ten. 10 options from there. If it says average, then it's probably five more. If it said for the user, it's probably two more. And that's 50-50 chance to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's fine. You know, that that still saves time. And I think that's what people, and I'm making it as a general term, sometimes miss about these things. They're not going to be wow, super fantastic things that that are, you know, all glitzy and glamour. They are often time savers, um, which gives you more time to do something else. And we all hate repetitive brain dead work. Um, so if a, if a voice can help you with that or some sort of automation can help you with that, then all for it. No, absolutely. Um, well, I know we're at time, so I assume you, you need to wrap up. Um, but I do, really, I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one, one last thing quickly. So I bought my, my iPad mini and I've been using it. What do you think? You still there? Yeah. Um, so, so I like it. It's a, it's a very nice form factor. In fact, it's so good I've lost it. I don't even know where it is. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm using my iPad Mac, uh, Pro to talk to you, and I've got my iPad Mini normally with me to make, make notes on. Um, I have found it definitely a much better experience to take notes on than having the bigger iPad Pro. Um, which I find quite interesting, but not not drawing pictures and stuff like that, but like just taking notes at the meeting. I just I just like doing that. Um, I am missing facial recognition. I find the fingerprint recognition um, painful. 
Um, I've had to almost have all my fingers memorized for the for the fingerprint recognition because um, depending on what angle you got it on and which way is up, you might have a different finger. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that I find irritating. Um, but other than that, it's a beautiful little device. It's a, it's a, such a nice size. Um, I've got a, a, a like a, a, lap, a laptop bag sheath uh, that I put everything into. I'll show you. So that this this is I bought this on. on there we go. Here's my little mini. Um, so all all my, my my Mac, so laptop, iPad, and iPad Mini all go in the same bag. And if I sit down anywhere, I can pretty much work. Um, like I'm, I'm working at my desk because my iPad Pro becomes my second screen. My iPad mini becomes my note-taking device or I can use it for calls. Uh, and then my, iPad, my laptop is my laptop for doing, you know, laptop things. And I'm really chuffed. Um, I didn't go on the big, big memory one. I went and bought the smallest one, 64 gigs, um, which basically on my trade-in of my old, of my other laptop pretty much co- it covered the cost, uh, excluding the cover. Um, but it's a really nice size. I mean, I, I was in the car. I was taking notes while we were driving home, um, you know, with my pencil. So that worked really well. Uh, I'm sharing the pencil between the two iPads. That's a little bit wonky because you've got mm. to um, you've got to, you're basically going to put the pencil on the side of the iPad to get it to connect, and then you can write with it. Um, but if you can see on the camera, the size, the pencil fits pretty much the length of the mini, um, which is not a coincidence. But it, it works. It works really well from that point of view. So the only trick is this: is the the the, the button is here, and you sometimes have to just be in the right position to get it. So I'm hoping what they might do is in an update is they'll allow you to use facial recognition. I think that's just software. I don't think that's that's a hardware problem. I think the camera is good enough. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been chuffed with my decision. Worked out well. Well, great. No, it sounds like you're getting a lot of great use out of it. And you have your whole Mac Mac work kit. So super cool. That's it, eh? It's all, but it all, but this is, you know, I was talking to someone about the other day and, I, and he said, yeah, you know, my wife's also an Apple person. Blah, 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 blah. You guys are all like fanboys. I said, listen, my life on, on Apple works. A very simple thing. I don't struggle with anything on my device. And I was playing with a Windows device yesterday I was trying to set it up. It took me 25 minutes to do something. And I kept saying to myself, why am I wasting this time? Why am I trying to do this? Like, like, and it's, and it's, it's that, that, um, that need to solve the problem thing. That's the only reason I was doing it, but to add value to my life. And yes, it's, it's something that I have to do anyway, but it was so frustrating. I was like, I've never had to do this on a Mac. Never had to worry about this crap ever, ever. So I'm hoping that Windows will or Microsoft will fix these things, um, and maybe Windows 11, you know, H1 was the first first step to forward it, and H2 will fix it, and then it'll get better. Um, because I actually do like the Windows 11 interface. Now that I've played with it for a good couple hours, it's not that bad. But you see, it looks like a Mac, so so I'm really comfortable. Um, but they do things. There's there's still things that that you kind of go why did you do it this way really like well, why would you do this uh, i can't give you an example now because i can't remember but I'll, I'll make notes next time i look at it um but as i say apple ecosystem no stress everything works yeah now i seem to run into less it issues on my mac as well 
Um, but cool. Yeah. Love to have that chat about Windows 11 uh, sometime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Cool. Alrighty. Well, uh, good chatting. Cool. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Keep well. Cheers, eh? Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.